Please listen attentively and may God bless these readings of his holy word. The first Hebrew scripture reading is Deuteronomy 5, uh, verse 6, and then 17 through 19. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall not murder, and you shall not commit adultery, and you shall not steal. Today's Gospel reading is Matthew 5, verses 21 through 30. You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before, before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge, and the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. These three commandments are the ones I like to call the big three. These are the big, bad, batty ones. They're the ones that are actually a little hard to preach because they seem so easy. Don't go around cheating on your spouse. That is bad. Don't take stuff from other people. Also bad. And do not kill people. That's really, really bad. Now, I know it is a communion Sunday, and I tend to preach a slightly shorter sermon when there is other stuff happening in the service, but that's a little bit too short. So where do we go from here? We could go into a few nuances in these. What about capital punishment? What about unmarried folks? What about finders, keepers, losers, weepers, that sort of thing? 
was talking to a colleague about this the other day, and we got way off the rails debating things like if it's murder to buy something you know was made under dangerous and unethical circumstances that lead to horrible things like factory collapses and other negligent deaths. But when we do that, when we try to figure out where the lines are on things like this, we're just splitting hairs. We're trying to nitpick the law, just like those Pharisees who got on Jesus for plucking grain on the Sabbath. We have completely missed the forest for the trees. The other trap that is very easy to fall into with these commandments, and is perhaps easier to fall into even than picking them apart like that, is um, separating those people from us. We set up in our minds the sort of person who would do these things like murder or theft, and we categorize them as worth less or as a lesser sort of person. We like to be put in a different category than people who commit those sins. I spent a lot of time in the jail. And my friends joke about it. I'm there so often. They say things like, oh, I see they let you out again this time. Or going to jail, huh? What'd you do this time? And I think partly I just hang out around a bunch of funny people who like to kid around. And partly humans like to use humor to diffuse things, to lighten a mood. And we don't like to talk about things like jail or like prison. When it comes down to it, there are in our cultural mind, of course this varies a bit from person to person, but there are people who go to jail or prison and people who don't. The people who do go to jail are bad and those who don't are good. The people who do things like murder or steal are bad and the people who don't are good. But here's the thing. I've met a lot of good people in jail. In fact, I've never met a bad person there. I've met a lot of people who have made bad choices, largely in part due to their circumstances. I've met a lot of people who have made bad choices because of addiction or because of uncared for mental health, but I've never met a bad person there. When you teach the same class term after term for enough years, you start to hear yourself say the same things over and over. The teachers among us know know how that goes. And one of the things I find myself saying frequently in the class that I teach at the jail is, you are a unique and important person, and you are fully capable of being the incredible person God made you to be. And I knew that always struck a chord with the women when I said it, but I didn't realize how much so until one day when one of the women teared up and when she was able to speak again said, nobody has ever said that to me before. It's easy to think you're a bad person when nobody has ever told you you're capable of being any better. I like to tell my kids, always remember there's nobody out there who is more important than you and that there is nobody out there who is less important than you. And what Jesus is saying in Matthew 5 is along those lines. Always remember that there is nobody out there who is better at avoiding sin than you are, and there is nobody out there who is worse at avoiding sin than you are. We are all in the same boat, sisters and brothers. You think you've got this not killing people thing on lock? Guess again. 
because there is not a one of you who has never been spitting mad at someone before. If I go a single day without thinking or saying you fool at someone, it is a miracle. There's a lot of people acting foolish out there, and I would like to tell them so. And yes, Jesus is using hyperbole here. Jesus loves hyperbole, and so do I. He's not saying that yelling at someone does the same amount of damage to the community as killing them does, but he's saying that both are just as much sin. There is no hierarchy of sins. There's this cute sitcom I started watching this summer called The Good Place, and it's about a group of people who have died and they are now in the afterlife. And in this show, the decision about who goes to heaven and who goes to hell is made based on a points system. Each sin has a different negative point value attached to it, and each good deed has a positive point value attached to it. And if you get a high enough score in life, you go to heaven. And if you don't, you go to hell. It's a cute show. It's terrible theology. That is not at all how this works. There is no point system. We are all just as much sinners as every man and woman sitting in our jails and prisons. Tom Wright, in his book Matthew for Everyone, says about Matthew 5, in particular, and this is very striking, Reconciliation takes precedence even over worship. Jesus imagines someone getting all the way into the temple courtyard, buying a sacrificial animal on the way, and suddenly remembering, as well one might when approaching the presence of the loving and holy God, some relationship that has gone wrong. The scene then becomes almost comic. It takes about three days to get back to Galilee, where most of Jesus' hearers lived. He cannot seriously have imagined an anxious worshiper leaving a live animal sitting there in the temple courts for a week while they scurried back home, apologized to the offended person, and then returned to Jerusalem. And so often in his teaching, he seems to be exaggerating to make the point. The point is that you must live day by day in such a way that when you come to worship, there is no anger between you and your neighbor, your sister, your brother. Impossible? Jesus implies that it isn't now that he is here to show the way. Reconciliation takes precedence even over worship. Healing relationships is a priority over what we are doing right here and right now. Because when what we do when we gather here in this place on Sunday morning cannot fully be what it's meant to be if we come to it bringing our broken relationships with us. That includes personal relationships with individuals and our relationships with entire groups of people. That is hard to do. It's hard to admit when we're wrong. It can be quite painful to have to say to someone, I haven't treated you with the value you deserve. 
It can be very painful and difficult to confront the ways that we have made value judgments of other people based on who they are or where they've been. But what can give us the courage to do that is this reminder from Jesus that we are all on equal ground and reconciliation has to be our top priority. The church's mission in the world is to bring healing to relationships and communities. We're not here to tell people how many points they have toward heaven or how far in the hole they are because of their sin. We're here to spread the good news that God's love is for all of us. God's love is for every person sitting in the county jail, the state correctional institutions, the federal prisons, every bit as much as it is for you and I. God's love is for the murderers and the haters, the adulterers and the lusters, the thieves and the greedy. There aren't bad people. There's just broken community. It's our job to get out there and help heal that broken community. So here's your homework for this week. Where is the community around us broken? Where can we be examples of God's healing love and reconciliation? What relationship or relationships in your life are in need of reconciliation? Who do you need to be reconciled with or offer reconciliation to before coming back to worship next week? Please note, do not put yourself in an unsafe or dangerous situation by doing this. Sometimes... The other person does not respond in healthy ways. And in those cases, we need to wrestle with God about how to let go of hurt or anger in our heart without actually being with a person who may not be safe to be around. And so, friends, let us pray. Almighty God, we pray for all those around us who are suffering from broken, unhealthy relationships from stereotypes or stigmas put on them by the world around us. We ask for your healing for them and for all the relationships in our lives. Help us to remember that there is nobody out there more important than us, and there is nobody out there less important than us. Amen. Mm -hmm.